Welcome to Calvary Life DFW's weekly podcast. We hope this podcast encourages you, challenges you, and furthers your relationship with God in a whole new way. Enjoy this week's message. In this comeback season. Okay, the first point that I want to look at. Uh, we see the story that I talked about, and I just want to give a quick synopsis of that story because I read it in the King James, and sometimes the King James is a little confusing. But basically, there were the sons of prophets. There was a prophet Elijah. There was the sons of prophets that were a group of people that were under his mentorship. And then one of them came up and said, listen, where we are is too small. We got to go. Have you ever been in a position where you're like, you know what? I feel like I want to do so much. I have so much inside of me, but I feel like where I am is too small for what I have inside of me. Can I tell you that you're not crazy for thinking like that? What God has put in you cannot eat the, the space that you're in right now cannot even fathom what God has put inside of you. He calls us treasures. Okay, when you find a treasure, it's not something that you find and you say, oh, look, I found a piece of gold. No, you're like, oh, my goodness, I found some gold. Let me, the first thing some people do, let me go to the bank. <laughs> let, me, let me see what this is worth. But the thing about it is the thing that God put in you, there's no worth that can be put on it because it's in value. It, it is so valuable. When God puts something inside of you, no man can take it away from you. No man can stop what God has put inside of you. So let's look at this first point. The first point that I want to talk about is evaluate your current relationships and covenants. And why is this important when you're getting your edge back? Because sometimes things change and people change. So sometimes when you are in relationship with someone and when you are in covenant with someone and something changes, whether it be on your end or their end, you guys are no longer equally yoked. Why is it that our relationship with God never changes? Why is it that the relationship that we are in with God never changes? Because God never changed. Oh, my goodness. Who changes? We change. So if there is something going on with our relationship with God, it is because of us, not because of him. But what happens when we have relationship with people, we have the vertical relationship, right? And then you have your horizontal relationship, which is relationship with people. And if we notice, the cross has a vertical and it has a horizontal. So the cross is Jesus and us, God and us, and then the horizontal is people. When Jesus was on uh, the cross, he had people to the left of him and people to the right of him. Notice, it is important that you keep in mind and know the status of your covenants and relationships. Because if you have a thief on the left-hand side of you, you're not going to be able to, you know, get with that thief and do something right. But if you have someone that is pure-hearted on the right side of you, you will be able to accomplish that which God has set out. So evaluate your covenants and relationship. Let's bring this to the text. The text is Elijah dealt with this firsthand. God's miracles that was wrought through his hand brought many people and great notoriety. I want to give you a couple points. God will oftentimes subtract things from you when he is getting ready to multiply. So if you are going through a season of loss, don't count it strange. Don't think God is not with you. Just know that he's getting ready to multiply on your behalf. Because when he takes something away, he's not going to leave you in deficit, but he's going to bring you back in greater. Somebody say comeback season. So Gehazi, Gehazi, and he was not talked about in our text, but I think it is important for us to understand his name and who he was. So Gehazi was a trusted son of the prophet, one that worked directly with Elijah in many cases. However, if he saw it fit 
in, in the previous chapter, at the end of the previous chapter, Elijah had come in contact with a man named Naaman, and he was sick with leprosy. And Elijah said, go down into the Jordan River, wash there, and you will be cleansed of your leprosy. And so when he did that, first of all, he murmured and complained because he was not happy that he had to go to the Jordan. Now, I got to be honest with you. If I was Naaman and someone told me to go into a smelly river and wash so that I can get, I'd be like, I don't know. I don't think you, I don't think you heard God. I don't, I don't think you heard God. But anyway, long story short, he went into the river and he washed and he was cleansed of leprosy. And what happened after he came with horses, he came with cattle, he came with gold and, and whatever else, other gifts to give to Elisha. And Elisha said, I'm not going to take it. And he sent Naaman on his way. But Gehazi, uh, Elisha's right hand man, decided to go after Naaman. And he said, listen, we need some of this. So give us some of this stuff. So he took the stuff from Naaman behind Elisha's back, and he went back to him. And Elisha said, where were you? And he was like, I've been here the whole time. And he said, you're lying. I know that you went and took. The Spirit of God had revealed to him that Gehazi went and took the stuff that he told him not to take. And what wound up happening is that Gehazi wound up getting stricken with leprosy, and he had to be exiled from the camp. What does that have to do with our current text? Because Gehazi, and let me just put a note here, Gehazi's name means low vision. Okay, so in the Hebrew, his name means low vision. So Gehazi was stricken with leprosy, and we all know when you have leprosy, you have to be exiled from the camp. What does that have to do with evaluating your current relationships and covenants? I'll tell you, Gehazi was not in the same place that he started with Elijah. Watch me. There are some people in your life that have maybe matured. Maybe they just find themselves in a different place. And you are trying to make relationships work. You know, if I could just get them to do this, if I could just get them to do that, I'm doing all that I know how to do. But sometimes it's time to cut the cord. Sometimes it's time to cut those losses. Why? Because God has greater for you. And because things change and people change, we can't control what people do, but we can control what we do. And if I'm going to come back in this season, I've got to make sure people that are in my circle and are on my side are for me and not against me. I have to make sure that we have the same vision. I have to make sure that we are working the same things because we have something to accomplish. Hallelujah. I want to give you a scripture to back this up. First Samuel 16, uh, chapter 16, verse 7, and it says, but the Lord said unto Samuel, let not, look not on his countenance or nor the height of his stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord seeth not as man seeth, for man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh at the heart. Look at your neighbor and say it's a heart thing. It's a hard thing. It's a hard thing. You're not cutting them off because, you know, oh, my God, you know, I know it's a fad to kind of like cut people off. But that's not what we're doing. We're doing it for the greater good of ministry. We're doing it for the greater good of our life. Amen. So the first point, like I said, is to evaluate your current relationships and covenants. The next point is to identify and connect yourself with destiny helpers. Somebody say destiny helpers. What are destiny helpers? Destiny helpers, uh, you can identify a destiny helper by these two things. They identify problems, and number two, they offer solutions. Yeah. Yeah. Huh? They identify problems, and they offer solutions. Understand the difference between a destiny helper and a complainer. Wow. Understand the difference between a destiny helper and a complainer. Complainers only see problems. 
complainers only move by sight and not by faith. 2 Corinthians 5 and 7, for we walk by faith and not by, mm, we walk by faith and not by sight. So I know in front of me, it looks to be a problem and it is a problem. We're not living in some fantasy world. It is a problem in front of me. But what are you going to do to get the solution so that we can move forward? This is how cycles are made. I can always identify a problem. I can always identify the problem. This is wrong. 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 My, my, my bills are behind. I'm not able to do this. I'm not able to do that. My job is not going well. My coworkers are not good. My boss is terrible. Everything is. But God gave you breath this morning. He gave you breath this morning. And even though you are in a terrible circumstance, that does not mean that there isn't a solution that is available to you. Can I tell you that Jesus is the solution to all your problems? Can I tell you this morning that Jesus will give you a solution? The Bible says that he will give you witty inventions. He will give you ideas. He will give you concepts so that you can cause solutions. So identify and connect yourself with destiny helpers. How do we find this in the text? Elisha's circle had grown so much that he had so many people with him, right? And so if you can imagine me standing right here and all you guys around me, that is how many people that Elisha had. But one person said to Elisha, listen, this place that we're in is too straight, meaning it's too small. It's too narrow right? That was the problem. Listen, he said, let us go to Jordan. That was the solution. Okay. I know y'all missed it, right? Because it's so easy. It's so easy to be like, you know what? This, I'm, okay. And I'm, I'm going to tell him myself, we're in an apartment. It's too small. Mm-mm. It's too. Now, you know, we, it's too small. We, we got we to gotta do something different. But I can say that until I'm blue in the face. But until... I start looking at properties until I start talking to brokers, until I start getting all things in order to get a house. I can complain all I want, but nothing is going to change. See, this man that was with Elijah understood that I can identify the problem, but I also need to give a solution. Mm. So be careful about those people. Let me give you an example. Since you want some Bible, I know you want Bible because we all love the Bible, right? The children of Israel, they were in the same mountain for 40 years with the ability to identify the problem, but would not move to obedience, which would cause them to move past the mountain. Let's look at Deuteronomy uh, chapter 1, starting at verse 6. And it said, The Lord our God spake unto us in Horeb, saying, Ye have dwelt long enough in this mountain. I want you to put your hand on your heart and say, I've been here long enough. I've been here long enough. And you know what you're talking about. That's why I didn't tell you to tell a neighbor. You know what you're talking about. You have been in this place long enough. Let's look at verse 8. Behold, I have set the land before you. Go in and possess. I could stop right there, but I'm going to keep reading. Go in and possess the land which the Lord swear unto you and your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give you unto them and to their seed after. One thing about the children of Israel that they really struggled with was obedience. Obedience. And that word is a little bit like taboo because sometimes we're like, oh, if I'm, okay, I'm going to be obedient. Like, I'm going to pray this morning. Okay. <laughs> okay, I'm going to be obedient. I'm going to fast this morning. <laughs> you know, but um, let's look at Isaiah 1 and 19. If you be willing and obedient. What does willing mean? You got to want to do the things of God. 
The problem with the children of Israel, not, it wasn't the fact that they didn't know what to do. They didn't want to do what God told them to do. So if you be willing and obedient, you will eat the good of the land. That is still under identifying and connecting yourself with destiny helpers. Are you with me? Are we good? Are you still getting your edge back? Are you still in comeback season? Amen. Amen. Let's look at point number three. Make sure your vision isn't in low places. Now, we we touched on this uh, with Gehazi, with his name being um, meaning low vision. But I also wanted to bring this to a lifestyle point. Uh, The Bible is very clear to us that God has given us all things pertaining to life and godliness. And so it is important to understand when you are trying to get your edge back and when you are in a comeback season, you cannot look at things through the same lens as you did before. Sometimes the way we looked at things at the onset of the year, how be it ministry, how be it work, how be it family, those things, we have to make sure that we look at it through a different lens. Gehazi's vision was so low that he could not understand why Elisha would turn around and tell Naaman, who was a king, I don't want your stuff. Now, think about this. I mean, he has a good point. If a king came to me and said, hey, I got a couple thou, you know, and some horses and some land, I'm not turning it away. Okay, so y'all going to turn away some land? All right. Okay. I see I'm by myself, Pastor. So, you know, I'll... But I'm pretty sure if someone came to you and said, hey, I got a few acres of land, some money, you're not turning away, right? But Gehazi, so Gehazi is like, this dude is bugging. Let me, let me go, let me go and find, because I'm not, I'm not, it's not computing. And so what happened was, because Elisha was the man of God and because he was in constant communication with God, can I put a pin there? When you don't pray, you break the communication between you and God. You break the communication between you and God. And sometimes what I can speculate, this is not what is written in the Bible at all, but what I can speculate is that maybe Gehazi wasn't praying. Hmm? Maybe he wasn't communicating with God to understand what Elisha was trying to do. Think about this. In the previous chapter, he turned away land. But in the beginning of, the, of chapter 6, someone said, let's go to another place and build. <laughs> I'm turning away resources, but I have the ability to build. Let me give you the caveat. The underlying factor is the people that were with Elisha actually were skilled men. What does that mean? Everything that you need is already within you. Oh, my goodness. Everything that you need to succeed is already within you. Everything that you need to do and carry out what God has called you to do is already within you. Even if someone comes with money, you already have the resources within you. He said, I've given you all things pertaining to what? Life and godliness. And so it is important that your mind and that your eyesight in the spirit and in the natural is not in low places. If you only can see yourself making $50,000 a year, that is all you will make. It's called the glass ceiling. The sky's the limit, but when you put a piece of glass, it's so translucent that it looks like you can keep going. But if you elevate enough, you're going to boom and come right back down. So if you put a cap on yourself, That's the only thing that you will be. I refuse, hear me, I refuse to be in a comeback season and have low vision. I refuse to let my vision be lower than that of which 
God has already said. What has God said to us? Jeremiah 29 and 11. For I know the thoughts that I have concerning you. They are thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you an expected end. And we know that all things work together. That's another scripture for the good of them that love the Lord. So why is it that I'm going to be broke, disgusted, busted, everything in between when God has already spoke to me that there is greater on the horizon? There's greater for you. There's greater for everybody in this room. There's greater for this church. But if the visionary's vision is too low, then where will the church go? No, his vision is on point. We need to undergird the vision so that the church can skyrocket. Amen. Amen. I refuse to have low vision in a comeback season. Amen. Amen. Today, we break low vision off of our eyes. Hallelujah. We break low vision and we break that mentality that we cannot be better than where we are. I come to decree and declare to you today that you will see with clarity and you will possess with authority. Hallelujah. You will see with clarity and you will possess with authority. Why don't you give God praise? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. All right, let's move on to our next point. Our next point is uh, reacquaint yourself with God, your gifting, and your anointing. Reacquaint, reacquaint yourself with God, your gifting, and your anointing. I'm, we're, we're getting to the good part of the story, right? Because uh, the beginning part of the story was a lot of just, you know, setting up of what was going on. But the actual purpose of the story is we see the man, he takes the axe, and he's chopping down at a tree. He's chopping down at a tree. And as he's chopping down at this tree, the axe head, boop, flings off and falls into the water. Now, what's interesting is that in this time, because of this time, that axe head was made of iron. Anybody that works with iron or knows anything about steel knows that, that, is, that it is extremely dense and heavy. And so if someone is chopping down at a tree and that piece of iron goes into the water, the first thing that it's going to want to do is sink. Okay, so we're going to get to the miracle. The miracle is pretty cool, right, because Elijah says, okay, where was it? Where did it fall? He shows him. He takes a stick. He hits the water. God makes no sense sometimes. Okay, I want you to understand this. He makes zero sense. And I also want to put, I also want to put a caveat here that when you are getting ready to encounter a miracle, it's not going to make sense. Everything could be going haywire. Everything could be out of whack, and a miracle can happen, not because you want it to happen, but because God said it's time for it to happen. And so I want to look at a couple things. Uh, the first thing that happens is he's chopping the tree, the axe head falls into the water, and he's like, oh my gosh, it's borrowed. I want to put a pen there. Learn to manage your emotions and responses in times of crisis. Why is this important? Why, why do I have to respond appropriately in crisis? If the man would have gotten upset, if he would have called it quits for the day, and this is me, uh, that axe head is gone. I'm done. Clock me out. <laughs> Early day. Let's go home. <laughs> uh, boss, uh, no, that's not happening. Can we go home? Oh, yeah, perfect. But if he would have done that, he would have missed the miracle. This is why it is important to manage your emotions and responses in times of crisis. This man could have missed a whole miracle if he would have decided to go home. The axe head can, can be symbolic of many things depending on where you are. For this case, let the, let's look at the axe head as your anointing, okay? 
So remember, the point is reacquaint yourself with God, your anointing, and your gift, right? So let's say the axe head is your gift. You have a handle on what it is, your gift. We have all been gifted to do something. Uh, Pastor Yolanda has a great and uncanny ability to talk to people and making them feel comfortable. Oh, come on. This is y'all, Pastor. Hello. <laughs> I'm pretty sure y'all talk to her all the time. <laughs> right? She has a great, a great ability to do that. Pastor Gwenmar has the same thing, but he also has a more authoritative uh, feel to it. So he can guide you and direct you, sometimes without even letting you know. I've, this man right here can pray. He's been gifted to pray, and he's been gifted to understand the knowledge of the word. And I'm not trying to exclude anybody, but just from the interactions that I've had, and what happens is we learn and we master what it is uh, God has given us as a gift. Let's, let's break down these three things. We have God the Father who is everything. He is the beginning and the ending. And then he gives us a gift. Huh? He gives us a gift. Romans 11 and 29 says, for the gifts of God, the, for the gifts and callings of God are without repentance. And so for no reason at all, not because you're good, not because you uh, asked to be this way. God gave you a gift. My dominant gifting happens to be that of the prophet, hmm. right? So uh, in Ephesians, we talk about the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. And so some of us in that manner all fall under it some, one way or another. My gifting is that of the prophet. I did not ask for that. I did not, help me, say it with me, I did not ask for it. <laughs> Most people that are pastors did not want or ask to be pastors. I mean, he, sa he says it, you know, I've heard him say it in a few messages, but, and, 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 and let's just be honest. Most people that do ministry, period, don't really um, want to do so, not because they don't love God, but because they know the attacks that come after it. So as a prophet, I've been, battle, I've been battling for the past two and a half weeks with different things that have happened in my life and just because of the severity of this word that's coming. See, one thing about me is I do a lot of prophetic preaching. And so sometimes when I'm talking to you, I'm actually prophesying to you, mm, right? We're breaking low vision. That was a prophecy, right? right? I, I want you to reevaluate your covenants because God is bringing you somewhere. And so sometimes what happens is we go through different things. So let's get back to our point. We have God the Father, the beginning and the end. We have our gift that he gives us for whatever reason he does. And then we have the anointing. The anointing in the Old Testament, they would take oil either out of a horn or on their hand and they would smear it. They would smear it on the person that they want to anoint. We see it with David where Samuel goes to Jesse's house and he, he takes out all of his sons and he says, listen, I need you to show me all of your sons because I need to anoint the next king. And he showed him all these kids, all of the, all of the boys. And he said, this is not the one. And then David came out and the horn started to tilt and then the oil fell. That was the signification that David was the person to be anointed as king. So what does this have to do with God, your anointing and your gift? Sometimes we learn how to do our gifts so well, but we don't ask and consult with God about anointing us. I know it's controversial because I've been to many churches, I've been to many places where people have gifts, but they don't have any anointing. What is the difference between gifts and the anointing? The gift comes without repentance. You can wake up, you can go to the club tomorrow night and wake up on Tuesday and still prophesy because it is a gift. 
I, I know, and I know it sounds taboo, and I promise you, the Bible is clear. For the gifts and callings of God are without repentance. They are without repentance. You can do something, you can be in sin, and you can get up here and sing, and it still sound good. Why? Because it is a gift. Not saying she's sinning now, okay? Let's not do that. Okay? I'm just using Candace as, as, as an example, right? But it is because, and, and even for me, I can, I can wake up this morning, and I, every morning I wake up, I ask God to wash me in his blood, cleanse me from all unrighteousness, forgive me for every sin. Why? Because it is our duty as Christians to make sure that we are as blameless before God as we can be, right? And so it is important that when you are working in your gift, you ask God for the anointing. Let me get to this anointing part because it makes me happy and it, gets me, it gives me goosebumps. Isaiah 10 and 27. And it shall come to pass in that day that his burden shall be taken away from thy shoulder and his yoke from off thy neck. Y'all ready? And the yoke shall be destroyed. Look at that word destroyed because of the anointing. Can I tell you something? If the enemy is riding your back, if you have things that you need to be broken in your life, I need you to ask God to anoint you. Anoint me. Lift up your hands. Lift up your hands. Ask God to anoint me. Anoint me, God. Why? Why do I need the anointing? Because it's going to break the yoke off of whatever it is that you are going through. Sometimes when we are in repetitive cycles, we need the anointing, not our gift. Huh? We need the anointing to break the yoke. Why do we need to break the yoke? Because sometimes if the yoke is still there, it shows residue that there was another master. Woo! And let me tell you something. If there's another master around, Jesus cannot take over. He said, I'm not going to have someone before me, behind me, around me. I am the one true God. I am the alpha and the omega. And so you must understand, if you are going to have, if you are going to have a gift, it has to have the anointing. Ah, when we talk about comeback, some of us knew that we were supposed to be doing things in ministry. Some of us knew that we were anointed and had a gift to do things in the marketplace. But somewhere along the line, we did not get the anointing of God. But that is coming to an end today. Whatever God has empowered me to do in the earth, I am asking him for his anointing so that I can do it with his supernatural power. And the yoke shall be destroyed because of the anointing. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want to put a quick pin here. I decree and declare that there will be no residue of previous masters over your life. I break now in the name of Jesus every parasitic dropping that the enemy has tried to plant in your life, in your heart. I decree and declare that it shall be uprooted by the power of the blood of Jesus. And because God is the greatest power, we shall never be defeated. We give God praise and we give him glory. Why don't you give God praise? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. All right, how I'm doing on time. Okay, my last point, my last point, and I, I want y'all to get hype with me, for real. The last thing that God gave me, I I'm serious, I want you to get hype. The last thing that God gave me for the rest of this month, we are going to flow in God. Look at your neighbor and say flow. No, nope. look at your other neighbor, because that was a little weak. I need y'all to, you know, look at your other neighbor. I'm going to say to you, flow. I want you to say it like that, flow. <laughs> I want you to flow in God. In all seriousness, I want you to flow in God. And he gave me an acronym. I know acronyms are a little dated, but I think it's still, it's still prophetic in nature. Uh, if you're writing, flow means flourish in God. Love, uh, L is for love in God. 
O is for overcoming God, and W is for winning God. So let's look at this first one. I have some scriptures for you. Uh, the first thing, we're going to flow for the rest of this month. The first thing, uh, flourish. Uh, Psalms 92 and verse 12 says, the righteous will flourish like the date palm. Long live, this is in the Amplified Version, long live, upright, and useful. They will grow like a cedar in Lebanon, uh, majestic and stable. Mm. So when you flourish, not only do you sprout and come up to what it is that God wants you to do, but you will be stable. Look at your neighbor and say, be stable. stable. Be stable. The next thing is love. Colossians 3 and 14 says, and above all these things, put on charity, which is love, which is the bound of perfectness. So sometimes when we are moving and going throughout in this comeback season, we don't always have to come back, come back like the way. What you say? Hold on. Hold on. We ain't, we ain't doing that. <laughs> Different type of comeback. <laughs> I, I want you to come back with love. I want you to come back with love because I know my sarcastic mouth, huh? <laughs> uh, uh, what? N no, no, no. That's not what God is calling for in this comeback season. He's calling for me to respond in love. Mm, he's calling us to respond in love. Why? Because it is the closest thing to perfectness. And God, for God so loved the world that he gave his what? Only begotten son, right? So he loved us that much that he sent Jesus. Let's look at uh, overcome, Revelations 12 and 11. And they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives unto death. I've come to tell you today, it's time to overcome. You may, and I know it sounds simple, but that's just how God gave it to me. It's time for you to overcome some things that have been in your life and in your family lineage for years and years and years. You are anointed to overcome it. You are anointed to overcome it. Let's look at this last one. Win. This is my favorite one. Everybody likes to win. Nobody want to take an L. Uh, L uh, I'm sorry for, for, for some of our seasoned saints. An uh, L is a loss. Okay. You got me. <laughs> Everybody wants to get the W, right? So uh, Romans 8 and 28 says, and we know that all things work together for the good of them that love God to them who are called according to his purpose. We, our, our pastor talked about last month, purpose. It is so important. You've identified your purpose. Now it's time to come back. Stand with me. Stand with me. It's time to come back. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want to let you know something. I was uh, washing the dishes last night, and don't, you know, prophets are a little, a little weird. I was washing the dishes last night, and the Spirit of the Lord whispered in this right ear, and he said, this will be the season of suddenly and immediate. This will be the season of suddenly and immediate. So what does that mean? That means that somewhere along the line, God is going to start releasing some things. Why don't you lift your hands as a sign of receiving? Um, God is going to start releasing some things suddenly and immediately. I want to let you know something, not because I'm trying to boast, but because I want to back up what God is saying. Uh, and if you could just have, you know, a little stamina with me, keep those hands lifted. Um, I, I, I've been praying for provision for my household. I've been praying for provision for my household. And I, and I prayed and I said, God, I need you to do this. I need you to do that. And I went on an interview um, and I got the job within two days. One interview, got the job within two days. Okay. 
within two days. And I think, I think what's important about this is that when he spoke that suddenly and immediate to me, it had already happened in my life, so I know it will happen in your life. Do you believe it today? There are suddenlies and immediates that are being released. So I want to pray as we're in this comeback season. Father, we thank you and we praise you. We thank you now that there will be no residue of the losing season that we may have been in. But Father, we pray now in the name of Jesus that you will empower us to get wealth, that you will empower us to overcome, that you will empower us to flourish, love, overcome, and win. Father, I thank you now that as we are in this comeback season, you are getting ready to do great and mighty things. I thank you now for suddenlies and immediates in health, in people's bodies, in ministry, in workplaces. Father, we pray now for those that are sick in hospitals that suddenly and immediate will begin to visit them. We thank you now that healing is the children's bread and that by the stripes that were laid upon your back, we are healed. We thank you now and we give you glory. Why don't you begin to clap your hands? Hallelujah. Because there is suddenly an immediate that are being released. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you. We give you glory. You are good and your mercy endureth forever. You are good and your mercy endureth forever. Listen, I want to reiterate one more time. This is the month to flow in God. You've gotten your edge back. It's comeback season. Let's flow in God. Next time I see you, you're going to be flourishing. Next time I see you, you're going to be loving more. Next time I see you, you're going to be overcoming by the words of your testimony. The next time I see you, you're going to have a win to share. Why? Because this is comeback season. This is comeback season. And I am grateful to God for what he has done. Thank you. And God bless you in Jesus' name. Yes, come on, look at your neighbor and say, wow. Yes, I'm on a comeback. Come on, you excited? How many enjoy that word this morning? Yes, yes, I'm excited for this series, amen. Make sure you come, come back next week, right, to hear part two, amen. Wow, that was powerful. Come on, you got the anointing inside of you to break every yoke. Come on, to leave a legacy. God's calling you to leave a legacy. You got legacy inside of you. Amen? Hallelujah. So we're going to open up the altars. If you want, if you want to pray, I will release you as well. But um, this is your time. This is your time to flow. This is your time to flow. Amen? God's been telling you to do certain things. You've been putting it on the back burner. You've been procrastinating on those things. God's saying, no, it's time to flow. It's time to flow. This is, this is your comeback season, and it starts right now. Right now. Amen? Amen? You have victory inside of you. That's what you were born to do. You, you were born to walk in victory. Amen? Hallelujah. Amen. So before you leave today, make sure you give, give someone a, a high five. If they are comfortable with that, give someone a hug before, before you leave and just let them know that you will win, that you will win. Amen. So you are dismissed. God bless you. The altars are open if you want some prayer. Thank you for tuning in to Calvary Life DFW's weekly podcast.
If what you heard today impacted you, be sure to tell us about it. You can rate and subscribe to this podcast or contact us on social media. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram or our website, calvarylifedfw.com. Thank you so much and have a great week.